Hello, I'm John Steele of Cafe Direct, and this is the Building Better Business podcast, a podcast that examines how business can and needs to be more than just making money. Unraveling how we create new business models to better serve our communities and the environment. This really is the future of how we'll do business and how we can all play a part. Please do give us your feedback on the show. Your views are so important in helping us to create the podcast that you want. It really is your podcast. So please now take the short one minute survey at cafe direct forward slash podcast and we'll send you a bag of our speciality anniversary coffee to say thank you. The survey is live until the 31st of December, so please do it now. Albert Tucker joins me this week on the podcast. Now, Albert had a big part, a really big part, in forming the relationships that Cafe Direct has with its farmers when it was set up 30 years ago. We'll hear about this and about how Albert worked to create really equal business partnerships with coffee farmers. Albert was instrumental in pushing for farmers to have leadership roles at both Fairtrade and Cafe Direct. He tells us about how this brought their entrepreneurial expertise and origin knowledge to great advantage, something that he strongly advocates for all businesses. It's fantastic to see you. And I think throughout the whole of your career, you've been, the word that springs to mind is, is outrage that so many of the commodities and food and drink in the world, including coffee, are produced by people in some of the poorest conditions. And I think you've been really determined and driven to challenge and change this. And I think it started with your role at Twin Trading. Could you tell us a little bit about your role at Twin and how Twin was involved in Cafe Direct ultimately? I came on to Twin as the managing director at a time when Twin was trying to recalibrate. Um, Cafe Direct had, was a fledgling um, organization at the time, but with really, really strong principles and strong ambitions. It was basically based on a desk in the Twin office, doing great stuff, communicating the reality of farmers. And I had been working in Ladbroke Grove with rioting young people and realizing many of them were frustrated entrepreneurs and felt that actually the best thing for development is making trade connect to those who are normally excluded. So really when the twin opportunity came up, it was fantastic, particularly with a brand um, which was so purpose-driven and set up specifically for that purpose. Then traveling to some of the most beautiful places in the world, producing one of the most valuable commodities in the world. And you saw that people were in very poor condition. You could get a a 62 kg bag of coffee beans for less than the price of a a cup of coffee in some cafes in, in London. And you just think, well, this can't be right, <laughs> you know. And so it felt like home to me. And, you know, we're talking about a time when farmers didn't even know the price of coffee in the market. They, many of them didn't actually drink the best coffee. They sent it to the market and they drank the worst coffee. And one of the great things we did with Twin and Cafe Direct, we alighted, we, we had a great chair, Robin Murray. And I think sometimes we forget that it's not institutions that do things. It's the people in the institution. So, you know, our chair at the time, Robin Murray, talked about a virtuous cycle, circle where we were very transparent. Cafe Direct created huge transparency by t- saying what the price actually in the market is, what price is going to pay, what is not going to go below. 
And we went and talked to farmers, looked at what they were doing, advised them. And some of the things we learned were amazing. Like uh, today, people think we bring farmers over for marketing purposes. And I can remember being in danger of default in, in Tanzania with Kilimanjaro, with KNCU, when we were really nervous because they would have been delisted from Fairchild and it was a big deal for them. So I went over to meet with their board and, and leadership and complaining bitterly. And then I realized these people are looking at me like I'm crazy. And what I learned about that is we're then going to go to one of the primary societies who were supposed to get this coffee from. And as we were heading up, we stopped at a junction and the guy leant out, the driver leant out and said, is it safe to go up this road today? <laughs> so the guy at the gate said, yes, if you want to die today. <laughs> and so he said, okay, we'll go the long way. <laughs> so we went that way. And then I thought, actually, what's happening here? And this is a key thing Cafe Direct and Twin did. What's happening here is we think our market makes sense. The kind of just-in-time, you've got to get it on the ship when you say you do. It's got to come land in London when you say you do. We've got to get it to the factory when you say you do. And I can remember working under that pressure. But when you're in a country or a region where... You might not even be able to get back to your village one day from the next. you got this mad guy from London coming in saying, why didn't you put that container on the truck when you said you would? They look at you like you're crazy. So one of the things we decided to do was to bring the managers and leaders over so they can see the market we're dealing with. And do you know what? From then on, Cafe Direct, because of the way we worked with people, because of the fact that we told people what was happening in the market, we gave people information about whether the rumor about a frost in Brazil was true or not, so that they didn't store their coffee. They continued selling their coffee, or they did hold on to it because the prices would go up. And that was one of the strongest things we did. And one of the first things I did when I joined Twin and Cafe Direct was to realize emails were going to be the next big way of doing business. We were still calling people, calling the village and saying to them, could you get the managers of the co-op to come to the phone box next tomorrow and we'll place an order. That's what we were doing. And so Cafe Direct funded the ones who didn't have access to email to have access to email. We did that. And we did things like that because it was about the farmers doing business that helped their communities. And for me, this was phenomenally inspirational that we're trying to do something about that. And the purpose of the company was baked in. It wasn't like an add-on to appeal to consumers necessarily. So I found Twin the most inspirational, the coming into Twin and Cafe Direct, really inspirational and fostered for me a love in the ownership of brands. So when farmers are stakeholders in the brands, they're not just beneficiaries, you know. So the Cafe Direct structure for me was amazing. And I was one of the people also pushing for the farmers to be part of it, be on the board. And, and so on. It's been a, a marked turning point of my life. And some of the farmer leaders and the people in the teams, Cafe Direct and Twin teams I worked with, have been amazing. They, the people have gone above and beyond and, and remain dear, dear, dear friends and inspirations to me. There's so many there, but the, the big point I'm hearing is it, it is about the people and the relationships. And I, I was going to say honesty, but I don't think, I think it's about being in it together and and helping each other and wanting to understand and develop together and it's it's quite clear that your experience at twin and your experience going to be with farmers bringing farmers to be with you and listening and learning together has had a really profound uh, impact on on the whole of your life albert it informs how i see life and how i work and and you know really inspirational people the late raul de la Gila. 
I mean, Cafe Direct was instrumental. Cafe Direct and Twin were instrumental in bringing farmers to the center of this business. So it's our partnerships that enabled farmers to be on the board of the Fair Trade Organization International, Fair Trade Local, Cafe Direct itself. That really showed a really good example that farmers were not these poor, illiterate, begging people who wanted our help. There are business people who were struggling in the market because the market didn't recognize them. And Cafe Direct was central to that. We were equals when we went out into the into the field or when we went out into the sector. And many of them knew more about coffee than I ever would, you know. And so the late Raul Del Aguila was a classic example. And what he said, he loved about the model. And I learned a lot from the farmer leaders. Some of them were managing businesses much bigger than ours. And Raul de Laguila said to me, what I like about the model is like, and then he, he stopped and asked me a question. Said, Do you know why when people go on demonstration or marches or activists, why they hook arms? So I said, well, for solidarity. He says, no, it's just so that if anybody trips or falls, they don't hit the ground. And that's what our business model is like and should be. The farmers don't fall, Cafe Direct doesn't fall, Twin doesn't fall. That was his ambition for us building the kind of relationships we did. And I remember Felipe Huaman in a in Cafe Direct event recently. I was so happy to see somebody from Bagua Grande in there. That's a very, very tough area where the cocoa production goes on and farmers wanted to do coffee. And I can always remember, he looked like the Marlboro man, Felipe Huaman, when I met him. And we'd had a tough time together as organizations and we really got on well. And basically, Felipe put me in a hotel next to the police station as a way of keeping me safe. That's the environment they were working in. But they were still exporting coffee for their communities. And that's what they preferred to do, honest labor, um, supported by people like Cafe Direct and Twin. And this continues. I don't want it to be just a nostalgia trip, you know, so about six, seven years ago when the coffee price dipped, I was looking at the prices of coffee. The prices had gone right down to about the same level it was when Cafe Direct was created because the farmer communities were devastated by the price collapse. But actually, talking to the farmer co-ops I'm in touch with, they were saying, yeah, we are struggling, but we're managing this situation. And that's because we worked really hard over the years with them to actually support businesses that could cope with the ups and the downs. And they were stronger, they were more resilient because of the market's access and, and work together in the market that Cafe Direct and Twin did. And, you know, and then also some of our best ideas actually came from them, you know, including the original idea of Cafe Direct. It's a, a very open relationship, isn't it? The point you make there, though, I think uh, the coffee price dropping as it did in the last few years to levels as low as they were in the late 1980s, early 90s, was, was a complete you know, it's complete disgrace and a travesty. But the point you're making there, Albert, of course, you're so right, is that the capacity and the strength and the resilience of smallholder farming communities has helped tremendously. It's a very different set of circumstances. It's still fundamentally so, so wrong, though, that the coffee price can be so low. I mean, it's it's really refreshing that at the moment it's higher than it has been for a while. One of the things that has made a difference is fair trade. And certainly because Cafe Direct is 100% fair trade, of course, the farmers do recognise that. But in your time, you were actually helping farmers to get to be fair trade certified. How did that feel? How did you work through that? How challenging was it? And how did it feel when it was achieved? So, John, sometimes when I want to debunk the myth that we're just nice people trying to do nice things, uh, this is that's the story I tell. One of the things Cafe Direct, very early on, one of the great things, one of the pioneering things Cafe Direct did 
we had a moment where we thought Cafe Direct was actually more recognized and had more consumer awareness than the fair trade mark. Of course, it was never an organization with deep pockets in terms of capital. So we were always looking at costs and how, because we were paying farmers more, because we were investing in developing their businesses and all of that, costs were always very tight. So we thought, well, do we need the fair trade mark and paying the license fee to the extent we were? But actually, as board and farmers said, actually, we believe in this movement. So we'll keep the mark on. Cafe Direct kept the mark on when he didn't need to at that time. And it wasn't such a big deal at that time. And so Cafe Direct really helped to grow the fair trade mark. And in our analysis in Twin and Cafe Direct, it was that actually because you need, how we used to analyze the supply chain is where's the fat and can we get some of that fat down to farmers? That's how we used to think. So if you have a premium product, there's more margin. <laughs> so fair trade for me, one of the genius things about fair trading coffee is the minimum price because the calculation was what should be an average minimum price. People always, the, the technicians got very angry with us because they were saying you can't set one average cost of production globally because it's so different. So well, what, what if we would? And it's, what, it's like it's the ICO, International Coffee Organization, who gave us the, a price and we added 15% onto it. That price became the staple. <laughs> you know. So that was another creation of the fair trade movement because people said it would never happen. When I was going around touting Cafe Direct, traders would tell me it will never get above 5%. So that became our target, 5% of the market. It will never, and the, those, and those principles work. So many years later, when Cafe Direct was really growing, it gave me great amusement to see all these people scrambling after fair trade. And fair trade was a key instrument because we worked with farmers in the market. We gave farmers information. We listened to their ideas. We worked together on a business. They lent us coffee sometimes when we were reopening new things. And, And the network we created, at one stage we were in Mexico in a conference and we were analyzing the market with the farmers and what Cafe Direct could do. And one of the things that came up in that session, and to this day it's a slight disappointment of mine, that at that time, in the early days of organic, Cafe Direct and Twin were central in supporting farmers to produce organic because it was cheaper for them. And it was also environmentally more friendly because it had you, you, you kept the trees and the forest. I can remember Rosa Matlas in Mexico showing me down the road, a a coffee plantation by one of the big companies, which was just coffee, and her farm over here, which had trees, and she says, isn't it beautiful? So farmers didn't want to go down that road, and Cafe Direct and Twin really supported them, but the organic market at that time wasn't much. But we sat in a room with partners of Cafe Direct and those who sold to Cafe Direct, because we used to work together with co-ops across the regions. And we realized that 80% of the organic coffee sold in that time were present in the room. The people who supplied 80% of the world's organic coffee, the organizations were in the room with us making plans for the future. And I thought we should capture that market. We never quite did because, of course, the market went whoosh. But Cafe Direct was there at the beginning and we were supporting farmers to do those things. And they were advising us that it was a way to go because we weren't sure about things like yields. And very Rosa's Matlas I talked about, she said, I can remember as a girl, and she was 70 and she get, could get up a mountain faster than I could. And she said, I can remember us creating the same levels of yields, but it just takes a bit more time. And then people wanted us to do even more, so we chucked inputs in and the inputs are expensive. So Cafeteret was working with the farmer's own knowledge, which I think is quite important. So those are things for me, which always strengthened this, the network of farmers Cafe Direct developed in Twin was very, very important. It changed the way smallholders in coffee were seen globally. 
one of the things that struck me from the meeting we had last Thursday was, you know, Pauline, I think at one point said, we're all starting from a point that's incredibly unequal and unfair. And we've got companies going, I'm going to give the farmer a bit more or, you know, I'm going to be really generous. And I'm going to do this. But we're starting from a system where producers are not getting a fair share of the the amount of value in a cup of coffee effectively. Now, I'm I'm an eternal optimist and I believe that we can progress and we can challenge and change as Cafe Direct and Twin have done for many years. What do you think about getting a fairer share for producers in the future and what what would be a really pioneering thing to see happen? So I think one of the things I'm involved with at the moment is very much looking at the combination of of the environmental and the commercial and fair trade. I think making, actually looking after the environment valuable to farmers and getting people to pay the cost of not doing it, as opposed to the, it's the other way around at the moment, is an important aspect. I am involved in doing some work with cocoa farmers at the moment, where I find some of the international conservation organizations, as one of the farmers put it to me, we've got people who have not looked after their natural forests and it's all gone, coming here, telling us whose families have protected the forest that's left, how to do it controlling what we do and raising money so we can't resist and then they're doing they're telling us they want to manage what we do and i feel what the the kind of relationship that we constructed with cafe direct and twin and other fair trade activists organized businesses and ethical businesses connecting with the communities to make sure that what they how they see things we can work with of course there are things that need to change and so I think putting more of the resources into the hands of the communities. I think Orlando Nunes from the University of Nicaragua once gave us a very, very interesting lecture, which was, he said, the thing with supporting co-ops, because I was struggling, as because I was we were being accused of being lefty cooperative people. That's why we like cooperatives. And our research had shown actually development even in the UK for poor communities after the Industrial Revolution was done by cooperation. That's how the Midlands was built. That's how co-op came about, co-op stores and chocolate industry came about because there was a lot of cooperation. So Orlando Nunez says the thing with cooperatives and small farmers is when they make money, they spend it locally. They invest locally. When the big guys make money, they invest in the world market. And so that was why we were really focused on cooperatives as a way of doing this thing. And also because you still have this today, oh, cooperatives don't work, they're not proper businesses. But actually, if you're a farmer with two hectares, no matter how smart you are, no matter how good you are, you're not going to make money in the world market. But if there's a thousand of you, if there's 500 of you, you've got more of a chance. And I think that was our base premise of working with cooperatives, putting networks of cooperatives together. Also, the farmers in our network helped each other. I know the story of Machu Picchu has been told, but because Machu Picchu happened, it gave Cafe Direct and Twin the courage to go for a single origin. And we explained it to consumers. So, John, when you told me a little while back that it's still the best-selling coffee Cafe Direct has got, I was ecstatic. Because what it says is doing the right thing is valuable. And you see with the farmers, I can remember the other story we had was in Haiti when there was an earthquake and El Nino. And we had an important container of coffee due in to make a blend. And it had been publicized that there was Haitian coffee in it. And we couldn't do it. But the most similar coffee was a Peruvian one. 
So again, my dear old colleague Raul and Twin Cochlear and Twin and Cafe Direct did a deal where the Cochlear container that was just ready to be exported was exported to us. And they agreed that the premium could go to the cooperative in Haiti to actually enable them to respond to the crisis. And then Cafe Direct promised to buy a, a, an additional two containers from Cochlear later in the season to make up for their for their act. Those kind of deals we were able to do that was didn't cost us a lot because we had a network of relationships that trusted each other, that was transparent, and wanted each other to be successful. And I think you talk about what some of the innovative things we need to do. We need to go back to that because we're moving more into a world where big is seen as best, and it's not true. What we've shown, Cafe Direct, the cooperative movement, the fair trade movement, is actually a bunch of small people, a bunch of people in poor conditions working together can actually produce high quality, best of class stuff in some of the most valuable markets in the world. And I think what I loved about the purpose of Twin and Cafe Direct is we wanted to change the way trade is done, development through trade. It was never about coffee or in the case of cocoa sugar, all of that. It was about making trade more fair. And there's still a long way to go. But we've shown, despite all the naysayers saying it couldn't be done, you know, Cafe Direct celebrating 30 years, Divine Chocolate celebrating 25 years. Fantastic. Fantastic. And and we've shown that it can be done. And my measure is it took Marks and Spencer's 135 years to get to where it is today. We're just on 30, <laughs> you know. And, and I, I was just saying earlier before we started, John, I was really pleased to see the young teams in the in these ethical businesses who are working with today's issues, looking to innovate the companies further, going further with what what could be done. And I think coming bringing that back together with a network of farmers who have a lot of intelligence to share, I think it's great you're leading things in that way, and the sector is beginning to go back to that. And I think we need to do that more. I think yes, you're so right, and hopefully you can feel younger people really wanting to do business differently, really wanting to put farmers at the heart of things, have a diverse community that works together to build communities, and importantly, to also help combat climate change. And it, it won't be done by faceless, remote organisations who don't get close to the environment and don't get close to the community. So I'm hoping that you can feel that because that, that seems to be now getting to be really, really interesting and powerful for younger people too. 30 years on, what do you see in the retail environment in terms of the, the coffee that's sold there? I mean, clearly Cafe Direct is there, but what else do you see in terms of other coffees and how they have either moved on or not moved on? One of the areas of coffee that frustrates me at the moment is the chat about direct trade, which seems to make sense. And John, all we've talked about so far is how actually we work together in the supply chain with farmers to bring them up the chain so that things don't get dumped down on them necessarily. And you see all the people who talk about, oh, direct trade, we don't want to go through fair trade or any system where we can just go direct to the farmers. Those are the people who were telling us back in the day, uh, you can't buy from these small farmers because they're not organized. You can't buy from these small operations. Those very people, they're going to individually now saying, oh, it comes from this farm X, Y. They wouldn't have known that in a million years if the work of Fair Trade and Cafe Direct had not happened to strengthen those farm organizations to work together. And in fact, what I'm seeing is some of these people are bypassing the union, going to one small cooperative and saying, oh, we'll work with you. And so that's beginning to undermine the thing. So I think I have a challenge with that because in the long term, that's not sustainable. So at that point I was making earlier, you need those farmers to work together to be able to generate enough income and capital 
to be able to operate in the markets profitably. Uh, so that, that's one thing. But the other thing is, I think, you know, John, when Cafe Direct started and we were looking at it, 97% or something of the market was instant <laughs> instant coffee market in the UK. Think about what we've all done with the farmers is to create a really, a really good market for quality coffee, roast and ground coffee, and people recognizing origins. We played a part in the campaign to keep Ethiopian, even though, Cafeteria wasn't buying from Ethiopia, but the Ethiopian coffee regions to keep their names instead of somebody like Starbucks taking the names from them. Those kind of things. So now everybody knows those that coffee comes from Ethiopia. It doesn't belong to an international company. And similarly, when Cafeteria talks Machu Picchu, the cooperatives we work with are there. They're present. People know where the coffee comes from and that they produce quality. When the Machu Picchu was launched, Peruvian coffee had a poor reputation in the market for quality. I think it was minus 12% or something uh, in the market, according to market price. Now, and after, after that, I'm not saying it's solely because of the, uh, of the Machu Picchu product, but what it told people is Peru can produce premium quality and organic coffee. So it kind of began to lose that reputation of just being poor coffee. If small people are organized together, they can have huge impact. So that's what we're going to need for climate change. It's not the big interventions we've gone past that it's people in their communities working together with us internationally working together to make sure we're not adding to the problem to actually make those changes and i think i'm going back to the communities themselves businesses like cafe direct have those relationships you can go down to bagua grande and talk to them about what's happening there and do something because we do business together and we talk to each other and we engage in each other's business i can't agree with you more i think you know change is about people on the ground coming together and doing what is right and what they believe is right with all of the conviction they possibly can. It's not about boardrooms and corporate statements. It's about real action, isn't it? And I think you can really only get under the skin of that when you're close enough to see what's going on and close enough to get the different players to see it in the same way and then take action. So it really is powerful stuff. The world over 30 years, I mean, it's, you know, lots of things have changed, lots of things haven't changed. The kind of movement of Black Lives Matter, uh, there's been a lot of work on things like Extinction Rebellion, but there's there's really been um, a kind of anti-colonialism move as well. And a lot of these places that your, you know, companies are getting tea and coffee from have been dragged through many times because of colonialism. How do you think ethical brands and businesses should really face into some of these issues? I think, you know, somebody who comes from West Africa, I can remember the first fair trade conference I went to. I walked into the European regional meeting. And as I walked in, people turned around and said, oh, no, this is not the farmers meeting. As I walked into the room. And I had to say, well, for the purposes of this, I'm an honorary European. And it stuck with me. And it is one of those things where, again, with the Cafe Direct twin experience, when we were in a room planning the business, we had the farmers with us from different parts of the world. We had all that input. I really don't think we'd have got far without it. And it shaped us. And the thing with Black Lives Matter, for me, is that a lot of the structures we work with are colonial. And we must remember trade is a central thing. The reason why a lot of racial stereotypes and myths came out it was the traders trying to justify buying and selling human beings. They didn't want to stop, so they, they're not really human. 
They're really below us. They're less than human. And that's where it came from, if you go back to it. Because before that, the Romans and the British were doing trade with Africa. They were Some of the wealthiest people were coming from Africa. That's why they went to Africa, to capture the wealth. But when this trade of people started, so trade has a key role to play, is what I would say, and how we do it. Because there's a lot of loss. As I said, John, if we didn't have those farmers from Peru, from Mexico, from Uganda, from Rwanda, working with us, we'd never have been able to deliver what we're delivering. In fact, we, d- we deliver great stuff with Cafe Direct and others because we work with those people as equals. Now, because I've been doing this for a while, it's hard to imagine any other way of doing business because it is powerful from the diversity you have in the room. You are able to make much better decisions. You are better to see the impact of your decisions, and, and it's just it's just right. And you know, and it's a waste of talent. I, I had to remind somebody in my youth why I was anti-racist. They thought it was because I'm, I'm black. I'm saying no, because discrimination, whether it be with, with women or disabled people or black people, is a total loss of talent. It's a waste, it's a societal waste, because the society is only gonna develop when we all contribute and play our part. That's when society is going to progress because we all have unique things and experiences to bring to developing anything. Albert, thank you for joining us. It's always wonderful to speak with you and to hear from you. And it's just amazing to hear of the stories and anecdotes from those early days at Cafe Direct, but also to recognize how relevant it is today, 30 years on, and how fundamentally important it is to have a diverse board that brings in smallholder farmers to the discussion and leadership of organisations. Join us next time on Building Better Business.